Welcome back to In Light of the Gospel. In today's episode, I've got another longtime friend of mine named John Bamman with me on the episode. Uh, if you know John already, you'll know that he's a very passionate, extremely zealous Christian. Sometimes people don't like it. Sometimes people are very excited by it. But I don't think anybody can deny his passion and love, passion and love for the Lord. So in today's episode, we talk about what actually brought him to Christ uh, the terrible tragedy that struck his family that affected me and my friends very deeply, and especially John, and um, also just what Christ has meant to us over the years. Him and I have not always seen eye to eye. We've had our differences. We separated when we were young, and when he got saved, when he became a Christian, we no longer had any communication. And then later on, after we got saved, we also had some doctrinal issues and uh, disagreements where we couldn't quite get past it. But in today's episode, we talk about some of those things. So hopefully it's a real blessing to you. If you find it helpful, please like the channel, subscribe if you could, share it with your friends if it's been of some help to you. But I appreciate you tuning in. God bless. Welcome back to In Light of the Gospel. Today I have with me John Bamman. Some of you might know him from iTroph. Might not recognize him today because the last time you saw him, he had a beard down to here. <laughs> he is now clean shaven. Um, I've known John almost as long as I've known Willie Simons. Back in the day, Willie and I were childhood best friends. I shared that with my with you guys on my first episode. And then John, I met in Sunday school first, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And then in grade seven, you came to Summer's Corners from Springfield. And Willie and I were super irritated by you and your mannerisms <laughs> and your character. And you were you were obviously funny, but kind of silly. And we didn't really have much to do with each other. And then somehow, I think through Sunday school, we started connecting. And then before you know it, we were hanging out as mm -hmm. thick as thieves, as they say. <laughs> and uh, we're always together. And in some ways, no offense to Willie Simons, but in some ways, John and I connected on a deeper level in a lot of times. Like John would spend a lot of nights at my place and we would talk over pretty much everything whether it was girls or God or school or whatever it might have been at the time. Mm -hmm, yep. And um, we we talked a lot. It was uh, after Willie, if we had a sleepover, Willie Simons would fall asleep and then John and I would keep chatting. Or <laughs> Aberg if he was there. And eating John popsicles, Jansen. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> eating popsicles. <laughs> or apple pie from Willie's uh, mom's freezer, wherever <laughs> we were staying. But anyway, I wanted to go back. And there's a lot of things, obviously, I don't know about you. Right. You, uh, you grew up in Springfield. Your parents... Uh, or your brothers rather were kind of troublemakers back then. And uh, that's kind of how I remember your family. Your brothers were causing a lot of turmoil and trouble mm -hmm. and you were being raised to be a, a little bit of a troublemaker probably yourself at that point. A little bit. I think so. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I remember the first time I met you two probably would have been in Sunday school. And that was for, you guys kind of had your own little group there, right? You had your own little clique and I was on the outside of that. And I think you guys used to call me John Bam, man, 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 or something like that. <laughs> Sounds about right. And I think your parents had the first minivan in the church in MPV, maybe. MPV, yep. most, most popular, popular van, van, I think we called it, or most popular van. We try to think of good ways <laughs> to call it. But yeah, we grew up in Springfield and, uh, and, uh, probably, but when I really would have met you would have been in Summer's Corners, right? Yeah. And I, I remember that. That was actually, that actually would have been a, I look at that now back in my life because my life was kind of going towards, same as my brother's, like a bit of a rebellious uh, streak. And so when I came into Summer's Corners and met you guys, that turned my whole friendship, like from my childhood friends 
it switched to you guys. And that was just, uh, I believe the sovereignty of God to spare wow. me from a lot of things. Yeah. I know I shared in that talk with Willie that um, a lot of people, when they wanted to get out of drugs and parties later on, they would come and hang out with us sometimes and see if they could connect with us. Cause maybe we were fun enough to be with, without some of this, this stuff, but this was before those days, even you were starting to get into some of the troubled kids crowding. Yeah. It, a little bit of trouble with the law and things like that. Uh, fights and uh, things where I had to do community service. I was starting to go into that uh, path a little bit is because of a lot because of the influence, right? Just being in the public school system and the influences in our, in our life kind of thing. But I don't know if you remember how I started hanging out with you guys in grade eight. I was trying to think back if it was seven or eight, <laughs> how it was that you broke into our crowd there somehow. Well, you guys used to be annoyed with me because I think the same thing. You guys were funny and you guys were class clowns and goofballs and I was too. And we kind of clashed, I think, right? That could be. And uh, so then I got suspended from school in grade seven, or maybe this was like grade seven, eight anyways, I got suspended from school. And so when I got, when I came back from my suspension, I happened to be, we were supposed to go to home Mac. Remember how we used to always go to home Mac? Crawfordville. I wasn't allowed to go. The teacher's like, no, you got suspended. You got to, you got to go to Mr. Dean's class. And so I got put in your guys's class, Willie's class and Willie's class. And the thing that I did there was because at that time he didn't like me and you didn't like me, but I asked the teacher if I could sharpen my pencil crayons and I took my whole case of pencil <laughs> crayons to the back. Then the, the electric pencil sharpeners were the new thing, right? So here I, one after another, one after another, every pencil crayon I had, I sharpened them right down to nothing. And from that day on, it just turned, they thought it was hilarious and we just kind of clicked. And that's when I started I hanging out with that you guys. very yeah. funny for Willie. <laughs> I can see Willie just laughing and laughing. That yeah. Something. And so I just became distant from some of my other childhood friends who after that became really, really rebellious and just started hanging out with you guys. Yeah. So. And then it was like almost every weekend. I remember being dropped off at your place in Springfield before you guys moved out of that house. Yeah. And spending some time there. I remember that tree in your backyard that you told a story about your brother falling out of <laughs> and somehow not dying. Yeah, that that's was right. Pretty yeah. extraordinary. And I remember the first time you guys came over there too because your, yeah, your parents dropped you off. You and Willie came over and we were hanging out there. And uh, that's when I got to know you. You just opened up the fridge when you came in the house kind of Did thing. I? Seriously? And I just thought that was amazing. I thought, man, that's a real friend kind of thing. But oh, then we, boy. then we picked lock my parents' door to get the TV out. I don't know if you remember that too. <laughs> my dad was ticked off about that. But uh, and then uh, I remember when your parents picked you up, you were like, they asked you, "How was your time?" Oh, it was kind of boring. You said, "Are you serious?" <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. No, man, you remember things about me. Maybe you shouldn't have got into some of these things. Let's move on. Cut, cut. <laughs> oh boy. No, I don't remember any of that. I, I do know from looking at myself, trying to look at myself more closely and examining even my family, no offense to any of my brothers that may watch this, we often come across differently than we think we do. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't ever think that I'm being arrogant or rude or too forthright. But then obviously, you know, I have a wife and family now and I've come to recognize there's times when it's maybe healthy and good to be very blunt and straightforward. But there's also times when it's been very inappropriate and kind of ignorant. Yeah. And so yeah. that would be one of those things where with Willie, I grew up with him. So the fridge was normally accessible to me. It was easy. <laughs> but for the first time to come in. Anyway, let's move on. Yeah. So uh, we got into high school. We still were hanging out. Then it was us five guys. John Bamman, John Jansen, Aberg, Willie Simons, myself. 
and we hung out almost every weekend. There was times where we did different things. Abe and I went to Leamington a lot for a while, but then we started spending a lot of nights together, camping out at night and spending the time quite a bit, uh, just the five of us, right? Right. Yep. And I remember uh, hearing about your brother's brother getting into trouble. He was about my brother Neil's age, and he would steal cars all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, Isaac was uh, always uh, into something, and he had no qualms about hot wiring something and just taking off. I, I think I heard in the dozens that he had stolen cars, right? Yeah, you're probably not far off yet. So I don't know. Maybe you want to pick it up from there. What's uh, what's the story with this? Well, I think that um, yeah. So my brothers would have gotten into a really rebellious streak when we were in yeah when we were in high school kind of thing and i think that we really wanted to avoid that you would have had rebellion with some of your older brothers and willie would have had with some of his older brothers and i did with my older brothers and it's almost like we didn't want to go there kind of thing right so we're just we we kind of hung hung out played video games watch movies watch movies played sports volleyball whatever just um, went on outings kind of thing and we kind of wanted to have fun. Right. And we did, we had a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of good times and we kind of almost prided ourselves in I mean, we had wrestling matches and arm wrestling, all kinds of things. We were really competitive. Right. So that was one of the things that I always remember that we, we always had all of us guys were really competitive. Everything we did kind of thing. We, it was always competition kind of mm-hmm. thing. Right. So, um, yeah, from, even with my my own brothers, my oldest brother who who uh, got into an accident, I we were very distant kind of thing, right? There was this rebellion there that I couldn't relate to, and now I'm hanging out with you guys, and we were having a lot of fun kind of thing, and so being good, yeah, we were the good well, we people, right? Was good, we thought we were good, yeah, that's right, and uh, and I think uh, there's that sovereignty of God again. We did avoid a lot of things that. I'm thankful I, for it. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't have asked for better unsaved friends, <laughs> yeah. non-Christian friends. I couldn't have asked for better friends. Absolutely. We definitely got into sin, like personal sin, but somehow we were able to avoid public stuff that uh, could have got us into a lot more trouble mm-hmm. with the law, with alcohol, with drugs, partying. I remember being at a couple parties. Maybe we even went together one time at the Raymond Peters place where Tony Wall now lives. Right. We were there for like five minutes and we just like this place feels profane it feels ugly it feels dirty and i right. just i just couldn't stay there yeah and so we all hopped in the car and we left like so we were untainted by the world right we yeah try to stay clean hmm. and yet personal sin was a major issue yeah that's right yeah lots of secret sin so your uh your brother was 19 ish when he died i think that isaac would have been i think he was 20 when he died actually and uh, we were all a year apart, 2019, 18, 17. So I was the youngest. And so I was 17 years old uh, when my brother died. And that, for me, that was a wake-up call for me. So I remember I remember often coming home, even, even when we hung out, often coming home and just feeling like we would, we would often trash talk each other, just in funny, silly talks and comebacks and things like that. And I would often feel convicted for the way I talk to you guys. And mm. so I would come home and often, <laughs> even though we didn't get into like all these immoral things, but I would come home on weekends, on Sunday nights, and I would just feel so ashamed, ashamed of the way I talked to you guys and, and different things that we did. And I remember coming home that Sunday night and, you know, my my dad was on the phone with my brother, Will, 
And uh, mom just told me that my brother just got into an accident out in Blenheim. And uh, he got into a high-speed chase. He was on a motorcycle, got into a high-speed chase. And uh, he wasn't it was a very serious accident. And I was, I was used to hearing that. Right. It was Isaac. Some, it was, yeah. It's gone wrong. I mean, not it's going to be that bad. That's right. Yeah. I didn't think it was a serious thing. Even if it was an accident, he'd been into other accidents. They'd rolled cars before they'd been in, he's been in and out of jail so many times, been in different high speed chases. It was just, it was just part of their youth kind oh, of man. thing. And so I thought, Oh, no big deal. And I just went to bed probably just fell asleep when I heard my mom scream and I, I just knew what happened right away. And that was, this time was different. Oh, you could, I mean, you could just tell, I knew right away that, uh, what had happened. And sure enough, my brother. Yeah, that's right. When you think of your mom that night, obviously it was one of the last nights together with her. If you mm -hmm. guys don't know the story, do you think her grief and her, her terror, her scream was one of just, Oh my, I can't believe my baby boy is gone. Or, my rebellious, terrible son who may very well end up in hell is mm -hmm. gone. Like, what do you think was going through her mind? Why was it such a shock to her? Well, I know that my mom prayed a lot for Isaac in his rebellion. And she, I think it was, I think it was a bit of both really, to be honest. I think it was a bit of both, but that shock that him and his rebellion has died kind of thing, because I, as the story goes on, then a couple of days later, when we were preparing for the funeral and just talking some things through in the living room, preparing, it's going to be a double funeral now. And uh, so we, we end up going to bed. And then I think if I remember correctly, it was the first time I ever said to my mom, I love you, mom. And she said, I love you too. Mm. And so I'm 17, right? And so, so she, suddenly you knew the people in your life were that valuable, that they could be gone. Yeah, that's right. I mean, this was just, I, we'd never, you hear of death, right? But this is the first Always time it came there. knocking on our door. And so I go to bed and my mom goes to bed and probably only five, 10 minutes later, then all of a sudden my dad screams, right? And yeah, we all, my brother, my sister, myself are the only three of us left. And we run into the, we run into the bedroom. And there's mom. She just dropped dead. There was no breathing, nothing. She was just gone. No breathing. So, I mean, we, uh, yeah, we called uh, 911 and the neighbor came over and he had first aid training. But it was, I mean, it was too late. And it was, I think of our, our family doctor said that he'd never seen in 30, 35 years of practicing. He'd never seen anything like this. She died of a broken heart. She was healthy. There was no, there's no health issues or anything like that and there she was i didn't know your mom very well but it was it was fun to hang out with her because she was so tiny <laughs> and I, that's how i got to know her like she was like four foot nine maybe four foot six four foot six super, so i, I still when i see people that are like really short i always ask them like i always walk up to beside them and i ask them like how tall are you because because i always knew my mom came right up to yeah, the bottom of my chest i'm six feet Mom was four foot six, so she was right to the bottom of my chest. And my dad was six foot two, just or six feet as well, just like myself. Yeah. So, so how different were those two deaths, or was it all just together as one major catastrophe that felt like your world was falling apart? Yeah, it really was. For me, it just was one big thing where my world was falling apart that put a fear into my own heart. Although I, 
I miss them and I'm shocked. I'm in the stage of shock. But really, a lot of it had to do with me. What about me now? Yeah. I mean, I thought God's taken out uh, two people out of my family already. I'm going to be next. And I just thought, I just had this idea that God's, it's my sin. God's after me. He's going to, I'm next. I'm going to die. You felt it was actually, you were the center of this whole thing. Yeah, it really was about me. And, and if I die, I'm not ready to die, right? I'm, I'm going to go to hell. I knew it was going to go to hell. I was terrified. And from that time on, it was just, I just went through this real, I don't know, this stage where it was like every night I was scared. I was scared to go to sleep. I was scared of being by myself. Oftentimes we'd have company over. And then when the company left and now it was like, it's just us, I would be looking, I would often be looking around. And if I'd see somebody laying on the couch, my brother, my dad, I'd be, I'd watch them carefully. I thought I just, I was always thinking, oh. They're dead. Oh, dead. Oh, I'm going to die. I was, I had such a, it was just such a terror in my life at that time. It was the, these were the days before cell phones. So I don't remember. Exa- I mean, there was cell phones around, but not everybody carried one around. I remember we were in Toronto, I think John Dyke and myself with Northstar. And uh, suddenly I got a call through John's text or through John's cell phone. Somehow my parents called and said that your mom had died too. And it was just this unbelief that washed over me. I like how in the world, like what, what could, possibly be going on here this isn't coincidence this isn't by mistake what's going on right and i remember you you changed overnight obviously you were receptive to our trying to comfort you but like what do you say right like we're Mm -hmm. really sorry for your loss we cried we hugged together uh but there was nothing i could do and i remember the weeks and months after that you just being a different person Mm -hmm. before that you and i would go through these phases where we would try really hard to maybe not not do certain sins or not eat out on Sundays, or whatever little thing we were into <laughs> at the time, and we we felt really convicted about stuff. But after that, it was like you, it was like you became a, a young man overnight, maybe, or you you left off childish things. All of a sudden, the frivolous things of the world didn't have the appeal that it did before. Whereas I can move on. It was like this hurts, but it's not me, and it's it's still outside of my personal experience. Mm-hmm. So for you, all of a sudden, you became a very somber, serious person for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And I remember that. That one night, especially that I shared about with Willie, with Willie's talk when we were standing outside the gym, were you back at the gym already or no? Yeah. yeah. So this was what, a few weeks after maybe? Yeah, it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been very long after, maybe, maybe within, maybe a couple months. Some, a bunch of young guys came up to us on the street. They were very zealous, very passionate. They had Bible gospel tracks and they were trying to witness to people. And I obviously had been very strongly warned against these hypocrites and false prophets Fulcher put a fighting, right? <laughs> Standing on the street corner. That's right. If yeah. they stand on the street corners and talk about God or Jesus, they're <laughs> clearly false prophets because Jesus said that the Pharisees stand on the street corners and they want to be seen. Right. And that was my take. And I would go to these passages. Look, it says the scribes and the Pharisees. I remember you pointing that out sometime later as you were starting to see the truth of this. You were like, you know what a scribe is? I'm like, no, I, it's just a hypocrite. It's someone who's bad, right? And you're like, no, it's someone who would copy the Bible or someone who would read, write the scriptures down. And I'm like, it didn't, it didn't matter to me. Anybody who my mom and dad would call a scribe and a Pharisee, a Pharisee and a, a, what's the other one? I can't remember what the Sadducees are. Anyway, they would say those words and it was just like, oh, that's, that's clearly evil. And anyone who's publicly declaring the gospel, anybody who's publicly walking around with the Bible, anybody who's telling someone else about their faith. Be careful. Is a Pharisee, a hypocrite, and they're a wolf in sheep's clothing. Mm Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you and I were probably the closest at the time. Right. And that kind of started tearing us apart somewhat. Mm -hmm. 
he would still come over for nights, talk long hours with my parents <laughs> for a little while. Yeah. One of those things that times I really remember because, uh, when I really started evaluating and just having a fear of death and wanting, just hungering and wanting, I, I didn't even know really what I wanted, right? I wanted to be right with God. I wanted to go to heaven. I wanted to be a Christian, and I didn't really even know what that meant, but that's what I wanted, and my, my soul longed after that. And I remember a couple instances, too. I do remember spending the night at your house and Sometimes we'd get into these long talks with your parents late at night, and I always loved. I looked forward to those sleepovers for just staying up with your parents and talking. Yeah. And I remember asking your parents one time if they were ready to die, if if they would die, if they would go to heaven. Oh no! And and they said that they were not ready to go to heaven if they died. And I just felt like everything just fell out from under me. Because to me, your parents were like the cream of the crop. <laughs> if anybody was a Christian, it was Dan Blatz's parents. And if they're not ready to go to heaven, I'll never be. I, I just remember thinking, they got 25, 30 years on me. Yeah. And if they are not ready, if they can't achieve that, there's no way. Can I'll anybody ever. then know? That's right. And, and I that, just that, felt. That is the teaching that we receive, right? You cannot know. That's right. You can't know. And so... Yeah, that was one thing. And I do remember in the old colony there shortly around that time, too, when there was a real hunger because my dad left the old colony church because of an act of a pastor who just really loved him. And so my dad stepped out and that put us in a big argument. But then that next Sunday, I went back to church and I brought my Bible. I do remember this. And I was too old colony. (laughs) (laughs) so I went, I was late. Right. So I, I go and I, I sit downstairs and I remember you came downstairs to grab a drink of water from the fountain. You come over to avoid the sermon. And when you see that, when you see in the Bible, you're like, what's that? What are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? And I just, I remember telling you something like, I'm, I just want to, when they, when they're reading the text, I want to follow along. I want to see if I can learn something. I remember you just saying, whatever. And you just walked away upstairs kind of thing. Really? I can see it now. I, I'm Jamie, maybe you won't watch this, but I can see uh, myself in you quite a bit. Very blunt and straightforward, and you think you know what you're saying always. I'm very much like that. It's And like I said, it can be a gift. I think it's something we got from our mom. Very confident, very loud, very, you know, very sure of herself. Right. And it can be very helpful. But uh, when deceived or when not walking in truth, it can be quite detrimental. Right, right. Was that uh, kind of the end of Old Colony for you then? That was the la- I think that that was the last time I went to the to the Old Colony because at that time when I when I had had that argument with my dad probably just that week and he challenged me he said John he said are only Old Colony people going to heaven? And I wouldn't say it but I thought yeah, of course, obviously, right? You got the best chance. Yeah. <laughs> and uh so I, it really shook me up because I told my dad he was going to hell for leaving the old colony and we got into a big squabble there anyways. But so, yeah, when, when that happened, there was just something, I, I just thought I got to go somewhere else. I got to find the truth. And I didn't even know exactly what I was looking for. But that night when we were at the gym there, when we came, when we were done working out, it was you and I and a few others, uh, Willie would have been there and your yep. brother, I think, and some others, but these guys. It was just God's perfect timing because 
They might have been waiting for us. They might have been waiting for us. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows yet? But they had they had come. A few of them had come and just kind of separated me and talked to me. I and remember seeing you across the crowd, seeing that they were kind of cornering you, and I felt like I got to go over there. I yeah, help them. And you were always good for that because uh, that was one of the things I appreciated about you as a friend in my youth. One that's going to stick up for you. I'm going to stand there with you. I'm going to protect you, kind of thing. And I always really appreciated that. And here it was that it was when I was hungering after something more, though. And uh, one of the brothers there, he, he just looked at me and he said, John, he said, you know what you need? He said, you need to be born again. That's why you don't have peace. Hmm. He said, when you're born again, it's like God cuts you open and he, and he takes out that old dirty heart and he throws it away. And he puts a clean heart in you and he sews you up and you're a new person. And it was like my, I didn't even say anything to him. I wasn't arguing with him. I wasn't saying anything. I was just, my soul was just, I just was longing for what he was saying. Mm. That reality, I was longing for that. I was like, that's what I always wanted. That was Corny Jansen. Corny. Corny Jansen. Not surprising. And a few other brothers were with him there. And then that's when shortly after that, then we, we came over and we joined up with you guys and. You know, some of you guys were making fun of these guys or challenging these guys, arguing with these guys. I thought I was winning the argument. Yeah, <laughs> you probably were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were, we were the Christians and they were the false. And there was a bit of fear in my own heart, right? There was yeah, a bit of yeah, fear sure. that, yeah, these guys are the false prophets, right? Like, I don't want to be deceived. But at the same time, I was watching them and I was like, They've got something that I want. Well, what's interesting to me is that several years later, about three or four years later after I got married, I remember hearing a story about one of these guys, Peter Bergen, big red bearded guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. He went to the old colony meeting with his beard. And so maybe it wasn't wise for him to do because he knew he'd get criticism. But John Dyke <laughs> told me about this. He said, this guy walked into that meeting and gently, kindly asked the preachers and leaders, is there any way we could do some English Bible study? Something so where we can understand the word of God a bit better. And these grown mature old colony men who were supposed to be the leaders of the church came over and pulled on his beard and mocked him and kind of slapped his face and just like, who do you think you are? little mm. And then John said something to me. He says, I don't care if Peter Bergen is a false prophet. Look the way those men acted. Right. Look at the way they responded. And when you shared that story with me, like here you are with your Bible open, trying to see what does the Bible say? And I come in and just like, whatever, like you could have very easily put two and two together and thought, okay, as much as I like Dan till now, clearly when it comes to the Bible, he doesn't care and he's not interested. So I right. can't continue to go the way his parents have taught him or whatever it might be. Right. So I don't know. That's uh, I wasn't even smart enough to put all that together, right. though. <laughs> there was so much ignorance. Right. You just kind of are feeling your way through the dark and one little step at a time, one little step at a time. And I remember that night, though, when eventually us. You guys are like, let's get out of here. Let's go meet at Willie's place. Right. And some of the guys are doing burnouts on the parking lot. And that's when Benji came over to me and he put his hand on my shoulder. He said, John, he said, don't follow your friends, mm. follow Jesus. And for me, it was like, that was it. That's what I want. And uh, I remember crying out to the Lord that night to save me and to give me that new heart that Corny was talking about. And I believe that's when the Lord did it. Mm. I believe that's when the Lord did it. Um, I know there's sometimes with the whole born again uh, phrase, sometimes people fail to see the cross. And they think that something needs to happen in their heart, which it does. Something changes in your life, right? But for me, it was very much an outward looking to the cross, seeing Christ suffer. But then all of a sudden, the, the newness just transferred to me. Mm -hmm. Was there a good, clear presentation of the cross at that time for you? There was, a, I think that there was a good 
I think that they probably share the gospel clearly, but honestly, I don't even re- really remember it a lot. And in some ways, it was selfish. It was... Um, God's really gracious that way. It wasn't just about God's grace and his goodness in giving his life for me and becoming sin that I might become the righteousness of God. I was escaping the wrath to come. I was, I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to have sin in my heart. I don't want to go to hell. And it's like the Lord saved me there. But there was three things I remember even at that time that, that changed in my life, that definitely changed in my life. One was that from that day that night on the parking lot there, I never again was afraid to die. And all my life, I had that bondage of the fear of death, you mm-hmm. know, was just like a stronghold in my life, right? And the second thing was that the Bible became alive to me. I always, probably you were like the same way. Every night before I went to re- bed, I read a chapter, mm-hmm. right? And I often fall asleep reading it kind of thing. But it didn't mean anything. It didn't mean anything, but I was doing my religious duty. And all of a sudden the Bible became alive and I got addicted to it. And I would just it wouldn't be, I'd have to read my chapter. Now it was like chapter after chapter after chapter. Sometimes I go to the park Saturday morning and read a hundred chapters and it just became a living I book heard you me. share on the testimony for a while. John had a bit of a YouTube channel going. I don't know why you stopped, but um, <laughs> one of the things you mentioned in your testimony there was you said that one day you had gone to the park with your Bible and then all of a sudden you realized it was getting dark. You had been there from morning till night. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And just reading and reading. All day, just... <laughs> Just soaked in the word. I was reading through Job. I read Job and Psalms and it just was like it was a live kind of thing. I didn't eat all day, nothing. And it wasn't even that I intended not to eat, but my mind was just. I had food that you know not of, right? That's right. meat that you know not of. And the other thing was that God started giving me victory over sin. You like maybe we weren't doing a lot of these outward immoral things, right? But there was a lot of personal sins in our lives and things I couldn't get victory over. And all of a sudden, it was like God started giving me victory and changing my life. And wow. those three things I just remember, and it was exciting. For well, me. I, I remember from that point on, we separated for several years. We yeah. just want nothing to do. With, I want nothing to do with you. But I, I can clearly see this day forward, go looking back, that something drastically changed in your appearance. Like you were, maybe at times you were putting on some air of excitement. But you were genuinely happy. You oh, were yeah. no longer down and out. Not, like, did it help you overcome your sorrow of your mom and your brother? Or like, how did you suddenly just have joy welling up? What was going on there? I think it had to do with, draw, it, like the scripture says, right? In his presence is fullness of joy. From that time on, see, because I lost all my friends, right? Really, I mean, now I'm kind of like your brother, this, your mom, and then a bunch of your friends want nothing to do with you anymore. Yeah, I've got all these good friends in my youth, and now it's like I'm friendless. And right around that time, uh, a bird got saved yep. too. So it didn't take very long when and him and I really started hanging out and getting close, kind of thing. And he was a, a real impact on my life. But but for a while there, I was just alone, and that's when God became a friend to me, like I had never known. Where I would just. Even when I started getting other friends again, I didn't really want to. Mm. It was just like God had become such a, a real friend to me in my life that I love to spend time with. And he took away my fear. And that naturally put an aspect of joy in my life, right? Wow. And just the, the victory that God was giving me over sin put a joy in my life. And then just spending time with him gave joy in my life. And then sharing the gospel with people put joy in my life. So I think altogether, it just kind of, <laughs> yeah. it's uh, it's very um, revealing in my life. When I look back at my testimony, the fact that I no longer just wanted to be with you and I got together with my wife at the time. So I had a good reason not to be with you as much. Mm-hmm. And we, my wife and I were hanging out all the time. 
And uh, I just wanted nothing to do with you. I remember one time at baseball, you were in Sparta playing baseball with us, maybe played a couple games, and you would hit the ball, and I'm going to hit this one for Jesus, and you'd hit the <laughs> ball, and like just everything was Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And it was, to me, it was just obnoxious, and I'm like, this guy is completely aviation. I don't know what they did to him, how they brainwashed him, what they, you know. <laughs> and it's such a shame now to think a young man who desperately wants to serve God and wants to know the scriptures and is excited about what God has done, that I would have shunned you and that I would have just pushed you out of my life even, right? Mm. Like to the point where for several years we had nothing to do with one another. Right, right. It wasn't until I got saved, you weren't even in my life when I got saved, that after I got saved, I remember you coming over to my place, living in the trailer park there in Lyons and it was just like this reunion of like, I know what you're saying now. Yeah. And now I understand what you were going through. <laughs> oh, I remember And suddenly that. I was the fanatic. And yeah. really excited about what God had done. Yeah. And I think it just comes back to that ignorance, right? That I had experienced it now and you hadn't ex- experienced that new birth kind of thing. And I was a young Christian and didn't really have any discipleship. So I probably was still pretty annoying out on the baseball field and <laughs> In other ways, still pretty annoying. And uh, so, also, also was I. I'm sure I could have, uh, going back now, I'm sure Maybe it could have been am. a better encouragement for you to come to the Lord. <laughs> but one thing I did do is pray. I remember every day for two years praying for you. I remember you telling me you had like a, a five person list of people that you prayed for all the time and you were waiting for each one of them to get saved. Mm-hmm. I know I was on it. And uh, the, one of the fair guys was on it. John Fair, maybe? Uh, no, uh, Pee Wee Fair. Yeah. And we still pray for him every day as a family in our family worship. We pray for him and his wife and I'm trusting the Lord's going to save him. Trusting the Lord's going to save him. Um, I got married and uh, Old Colony split. I've shared this story before. We went and finally started reading the Bible, or not just reading the Bible, but hearing the Bible in English and um, listening to sermons. And then a lot of the charity type of messages started getting passed around. You were not a charity uh, church member or anything like that. You didn't go to Vienna, but uh, you were listening to a lot of the same stuff. Keith Daniels and Gerard Detoit and Denny Keniston and who knows who all else. And we were just yeah. passionately soaking every possible thing in. And um, that's when I started hearing the gospel finally. Jerry Mahor and uh, Roman Kaufman both shared a gospel message that I listened to on the same day in uh, in the truck. We sat beside John Dyke. We were in Ohio. And I heard Jerry Mahor talk about the suffering of Christ and how his body was marred more than any man. And that they, in Isaiah, talks about how they pulled on his beard, pulled out his beard. And I may tell all my bones, he could count his bones, so to speak, right? His flesh was ripped off. He pictured him looking more like hamburger meat by the time he was done than a human being. Mm-hmm. And then Roman Kaufman, or was it vice versa? I forget. They, they put a strong emphasis on the exchange, you know, that should have been you. Christ was on that cross suffering as if he had committed your sin. It should have been your sin on the cross. And nobody told me to get saved. Nobody told me to pray a prayer. There was nothing about uh, getting a new heart. Even at that time, I heard messages about being born again. But I remember about a month later realizing that as I sat in that truck, something totally transformed in my mind. Mm -hmm. And suddenly now I realized that means my sins are gone. If Jesus was on the cross bearing my sin and he was placed in the grave and he came back out, then that means I'm completely free. There's nothing left for me to do to Amen. deal with my sins. And then you started coming back into my life and bringing books. We had a couple all-night prayer meetings. You stayed at my house all night long. Yeah, that's didn't, right. Didn't I remember sleep. that. Uh, I remember going to a wedding the next day and almost falling asleep while driving <laughs> and then sleeping in the car on the way home because I just couldn't stay awake. My wife uh, really struggled through some of those times. <laughs> oh, we put the sisters through a lot, eh? Yeah. 
but those were precious meetings, even sweeter than any of our times in our youth, right? You were such a close friend. But now when, when we both had the spirit of God, when we both loved the Lord Jesus, I mean, it was just those, I think those are some of the most precious. Yeah. I remember those times Isaac Dyke came on the scene at that time too. And we'd get together on Thursdays at your house. And John I, was still a single man. So he had no obligations elsewhere. And I was, uh, felt like a single person. All of a sudden, all my time and, and energy was consumed in this concept. And I think to the neglect of my wife, I put a lot of pressure on her to, mm. to become a Christian like me, right? Almost like as if, if you and I had been wed together, you know, in some way where we could not be separated, obviously not like a husband and wife, but where we couldn't have left one another, we would have really, really irritated each other at that time. Right. But you got saved and I'm like, fine, I'm done with you. And then I got saved and my wife was like, who in the world is this guy? It's not the guy I married. And this is completely different than what I'm used to. And suddenly praying and reading and having you over and she's dealing with backlash from my parents and from her parents. Right. It was a, a pretty crazy chaotic time. And I remember you being a very stabilizing energy to me or maybe, you know, you probably kind of pushed me in a more zealous direction too. So it might not have been the best for my marriage at the time, <laughs> but Lisa, sorry for keeping Dan up so late, <laughs> <laughs> but to know that there was one other person who I knew I could connect with very deeply. And Willie and I got back together a little bit, but we didn't just, you know, jive immediately. And Abe and I got together and we had differences. I was very obnoxious and hard to deal with and overconfident. But you and I both had some of that in common, maybe. Right, and, right. Uh, we're suddenly both very excited <laughs> about the gospel. Yeah, that's right. So I don't know how you remember those times. Yeah, those were, well, those are definitely sweet times for me. Like you said, I was single, right? So, I mean, that was my, my habit especially on weekends. I was up till two, three in the morning. I would listen to sermon after sermon after sermon, listen to Pilgrim's Progress from start to finish in one day and be up all night often. And I didn't, only one time somebody asked me to leave. So <laughs> one time I did it, it was a family too, and I'm visiting them. And uh, eventually the brother's like, hey brother, you mind leaving? It's getting kind of late kind of thing, right? <laughs> You're like, what? You need sleep? We're talking about Jesus. <laughs> I didn't think about it. You know, I was, I uh, needed a wife, I think. So, yeah. but those were precious times. I remember many of our discussions and just the preciousness of Jesus. And I remember also, uh, we were starting to, we were starting to look at being baptized with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if you remember some of those times too. Yeah. We were praying and I think I had some kind of an experience of where I thought I was baptized with the Holy Spirit. And uh, we were praying it for we were praying, we were kneeling down at your couch one night there and just asking God to baptize us in the Holy Spirit. And I think almost kind of our prayers were almost kind of like put on kind of thing, right? It started feeling very generated for me yeah. at that point. And then you, I just remember in the middle of your prayer, you're like, I'm done. Like you, you just stop praying and, oh, okay. <laughs> and then when I said I'd been baptized with the Holy Spirit, I was supposed to be preaching at some church. I was Somebody invited me to come preach right. at a church and you were like, I got to come and see this because you're expecting that. Oh, yeah. People He's baptized with the Holy in. Ghost. I mean, this is going to be revival. And I go there. It was the driest message I ever preached in my life. <laughs> it really was. I remember I was you talking like, oh, about no. Sabbath. You talked something about <laughs> Sabbath days and stuff like that, like resting for your body and all that. I'm like, what in the world? This is not the stuff <laughs> that I thought you'd be preaching. And this is where, you know, in our immaturity, my immaturity for sure, I was a, a very new Christian. I started hearing a different, a different understanding of the gospel, the uh, the whole idea of righteousness imputed, and um, that I'm saved completely by the work of Christ and nothing else. And then a lot of this extra filling stuff 
took second place to me because I feel like I got some kind of baptism of the Holy Ghost when I heard that stuff. Mm-hmm. Where I heard that I, I'm dead to sin and free from it. I don't need to continue to struggle with it. I, when Christ died, I died. Amen. And when he was raised from the dead, I was raised from the dead. And suddenly I'm like, I'm not, I don't need anything more than that. I'm completely free. I'm Amen. completely changed. And it, it was to the point where that, along with a few other things, kind of drove a wedge between us. And we actually parted ways again for a number of years where we didn't really have much to do with each other. Yeah, that's right. And it's, uh, it's maybe it's a bit of a shame, but it seems like that's the way that we operate. We, we need to have our space to, to learn and grow. And it's amazing to me now that, you know, when you, we lived just around the corner from one another, suddenly we were able to reconnect. And um, as many differences as you, as you and I might have in maybe practical things or day-to-day stuff or even certain theological things, there's no way I can't recognize your passion for Christ, the simplicity of the gospel that you share. When you had your little YouTube channel, it's just like each time it's like, there's the gospel. Mm-hmm. There it is. Christ only. Nothing but the blood, nothing but the blood of Jesus, right? Amen. And so for all our differences, this is another thing, maybe Aberg, if he listens to this, when him and I first got together, the one of the first times after I got saved, I was really passionate about this, that, and the other thing. And I was getting into the charity style movement. And um, after a while of me differing with him on almost every topic, I think he got frustrated and he said, trying to think of something that we could talk about <laughs> that we would actually agree on. And he, you know, I think he was thinking at the time, you'd think, you know, at least Jesus would be central. Mm-hmm. And at that time it wasn't, I got so focused, so focused and fixated on some of these things, outward appearance or baptism of the Holy ghost or whatever it might be. You know, remember that Charles Spurgeon quote, I looked to Jesus and the dove of peace flew into my heart. I looked to the dove and it flew away. At that point, That's I think right. a lot of the peace had left me and I was just pursuing and pursuing and pursuing and no joy and peace. And Abe was like, I don't know where to connect with you. Right. right yeah. And now looking at you and I, and with all the differences we might have, clearly the gospel is on the forefront of your heart and mind. Amen. And if we disagree on one thing or the other, those are open-handed issues. We can, we can disagree. That's right. But the central things, the, the close-handed stuff, Jesus only, I think is pretty clear. Right? Yeah. Amen. Seems like it takes a long time to learn that sometimes, you know, you get these things that you really dig your heels into that are so important to you. And, and uh, they come and they go, and this one comes and it goes, kind of a thing. And the but people I, don't. That's right. That's right. But uh, yeah, I would have to say I I've so appreciated even just you know hearing other others. I it's it's just happened probably I think at least on three occasions now where I just in my daily life sharing the gospel with somebody, and uh, so I'm sharing the gospel with somebody that's not saved. I, I met a roofer one time, somebody else at, I don't at a store or something like that. And I'm sharing the gospel with these people. And this guy's like, do you know Dan Blatt's? <laughs> I'm like, rings a bell. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know Dan. He's like, he told, that's exactly what he told me. Interesting. It, the message that you're sharing with me, it's exactly what he told me. He's a, he's a pastor from Springfield and, uh, and uh, yeah, he shared the same message with me as that. And you know, that always just gave me such a joy. We're preaching the same message. It's, exactly. it's the man, Jesus Christ, yeah. right? And it's not our pet doctrines and it's not our standards where they come out kind of thing, but it's Jesus Christ and him crucified. I think the fear and in, in, um, thinking a lot of times is from the conservative side. When they see someone leave the conservative appearance, sometimes they think, well, here goes, he's going to lose his heart. He's going to lose his passion. And that happens. Right, right. A lot of people get caught up in the world and get fixated on stuff. And because they have a freedom that they think they have found, they leave off the joy of the Lord. And I think that maybe for a number of years, I even did kind of struggle in and out of some of that. 
the gospel was still always precious to me and I was still always studying and reading, but just to, to know him and to recognize his goodness to me, it, all of a sudden I realized how petty I can be and how silly our qualms might be. Right. And, um, you know, I plan on spending eternity with you. Hallelujah. <laughs> and it's because of what Christ has done. And there's Amen. nothing else that uh, could have accomplished it. Amen. So a lot has happened since uh, since those early days. After we stopped hanging out, you met your wife, and uh, you were attending Port Burwell Church at the time, Lighthouse Gospel. Right. You got married there, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. I was we part did, of your yeah. wedding in St. Thomas. And then shortly after you got married, you started attending Vienna, and that's where we really kind of officially stopped getting together much at all. Yeah, that's right. You kind of made your exit, and we kind of made our that's entrance right. into Vienna, right? So. Yeah. But uh, since then, God has been real good to you. Yeah. You, you want to tell us a little bit about your wife and family, perhaps? All right. So, yeah, I've been married since uh, 2004, I believe. Hopefully I got that right. But, uh, yeah, my wife is uh, Anna Banman, And uh, we've got five children now, Joshua, Micaiah, Charity, Ephraim, and Joy. And my wife's pregnant, so another oh, baby nice. on the way. I don't think I even knew that. Did yeah. I I don't know if you did or not, but yeah. Congratulations. Anna's pregnant. We're going to have our sixth child in uh, December, Lord willing, in December. So um, yeah, I met Anna and the youth, and uh, that's that's where we hung out and got married. And she, yeah, I'm, I can just say I'm really, really blessed. We've, we haven't had a lot, some of those struggles that some others have had my my wife is a lot like my mom, actually. My mom was like a really like quiet and meek and just stood behind my dad and everything kind of thing, right? And my wife is a lot like that, too, where she just doesn't matter. Now we're thinking about going and moving to New Brunswick, right? We're talking about moving to New Brunswick. And she's and, just like that. And it doesn't matter what it is. It could be China. And she's like, I'm behind you kind of thing. She just stands behind me and uh, gives me such a confidence in mm-hmm. in leading out kind of thing that she's with me. And uh, no, I'm very, very Do blessed. You ever feel that you take advantage of her meekness? Oh, I'm sure I have a lot of times and I'm really sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Do you, uh, how about the, the gospel? Has that affected your marriage in some way? Oh, the gospel I think has affected, uh, I'm not, ha- I think has, the gospel has affected every area of my life. That, um, gratitude. See, when I got saved, it was almost like a fear of death, you know, like pers- I was running from the judgment to come. Right. But when I, but when I was saved and seen the beauty of Christ, I think that, I think that my testimony has been what you would read in Peter, right? But unto us who believe he is precious. Mm -hmm. And I can say that Jesus has been precious to me these years and just his death and his burial and his resurrection and his passion, his suffering for me has uh, been the greatest uh, motivating force in, in my marriage in my child training, in my business, mm-hmm. in every area of my those life. Those are all, kind of all things that I would love to talk more about. I usually try to stop around an hour, but um, you know, you're, you've had a child that's had a lot of medical issues and mm-hmm. you've started a business that's become very successful. I've heard some really good things, even from people outside church who have had you do jobs for them that have had nothing but praise for the work that you guys do because you're committed to integrity and you know good quality workmanship and joyful countenance and while you're on the job site those things were all mentioned 
And uh, it's just, uh, we could go on and on for another hour or two, I'm sure. But uh, I think maybe we'll just close it up with that, Mm -hmm. your appreciation for the gospel. I've called this podcast in light of the gospel for that reason, thinking that um, everything we now do is in light of the gospel. Right. If God has been good to us, then we can now be good to others. Amen. If God suffered and died for me, then I can now suffer and lay down my life for one for someone else. Amen. If God looked past all my faults and failures and welcomed me in, then I can look past other people's faults and failures. Like it just it applies to everything, whether it's business or marriage or child training or preaching and teaching and whatever. Right? Just yeah, the gospel amen. is the theme. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. No, I really appreciate you having me. I felt. I was excited. I didn't know what it was all going to be, but I was just really excited to reconnect again and really excited to be a part and really appreciate it. May the Lord bless your YouTube channel, brother. Appreciate it.